Good afternoon. My name's Terrence O'Donnell, and I'm starting this podcast for the very first time, kind of give an idea of what it's going to look like. So bear with me here on some cap because I'm not a, a professional journalist, um, and I'm not used to doing professional broadcasts or anything like that. Never been to college and all that kind of things. So I'm just kind of winging this to see how it's going to flow. Um, just to give you an idea, um, I... I'm a avid reader. I'm a news reader. I read news every morning. I pick news stations and media and everything from all over the world. And I pick out certain things that have an impact on anybody and everybody. Now, mostly I think what's going to impact my world, uh, such as it is, uh, just to give you an idea. So I am not a Christian believer. So I'm not going to be hard right, hard left, or something. Man, I'm I'm kind of in the middle. Sometimes I lean a little left. Sometimes I lean a little right. And all I try to do is duck and cover whenever things start hitting the fan. Um, and sometimes here, especially with politics going on in the U.S., that seems to be a little harder to do sometimes. Um, I'm hoping maybe eventually things will sort themselves out. But, you know, for what it's worth, it's not looking so good here in the United States. But meanwhile, back at the ranch... I'm going to kind of do like one of my favorite broadcasters that I kind of look at almost all the time. His name is Tom Hartman. And he runs the Tom Tom Hartman Report, and I read his stuff all the time. And he has a lot of very interesting articles and a lot of things that he does on his podcast. And not that I'm going to copy him so much, but I do take ideas from things like that. Um, I also publish articles on Medium, and there's a lot of good writers on there that I take ideas from and think, well, you know, if you're writing about this, what uh, how, what kind of an impact would that have on me? Um, I also write to Substack, but this is where this podcast is going to go. This podcast is going to go over to Substack um, and get posted there, and oh, maybe if my voice doesn't crack out too badly, um, i got a little tea here. Um, hopefully things will go all right. Now, I'm, like I said, I'm not professional in any way. So, um, if you're looking for entertainment, I don't know. I mean, I'll try to entertain you with this op-ed here and we'll see how that goes. Um, now what I have here is some stories that I've highlighted and I've made some notes on that have a lot of impact on people here in the United States. And these are general, general things. Nothing specific. I mean, I'm not going to tell you about Joe Blow the Ragman coming down the road and shooting somebody. I mean, you hear about that all the time. And that gets sensationalized in the news all the time. It's every day now. And, you know, I don't need to tell you about that because it's going to be in your face. This is stuff that you might not normally see on the sensationalist news like Fox and, and some of the other ones. These are things that sometimes just get passed by. Uh, nobody really cares about, but believe it or not, when you read through the articles like I do, you realize that, yeah, they're going to have a dramatic impact on the Americans as they are. It may not be today, but at some point it's going to have some kind of an impact on us uh, in a large way. Just to give you an idea, here's an article that I picked out for you guys. It's called U.S. Dairy Policies Drive Small Farms to Get Bigger Get Out as Monopolies Get Rich in The Guardian. And, and this story is in The Guardian by Nina Lacani 
He's a climate justice reporter. And the article is about corporate dairy farming is driving out family dairy farms in a race to export dairy overseas in the last two decades due to misguided U.S. dairy policies. Now that tells you something right there. That means is that the U.S. government basically sided with dairy corporations to sell milk overseas, and the only ones making money out of it are the corporations and taxes for the government. Although taxes, that's kind of a relative word, because corporations are notorious for not paying the right amount of taxes for everything they make. Um, you know, unfortunately, our government's letting them get away with that. And that's a really bad thing. And it's probably one of the reasons why our our deficit is so high, because corporations and billionaires aren't paying their taxes like they're supposed to be. Uh, but, you know, it's our fault. You know, we let our re- legislatures get in there and do their thing and let them vote for this kind of stuff. You know, me, I'm just a low man on a total pole here. I'm thinking that that's a serious ripoff for the American taxpayers. But I'm one voter. My one vote counts for whatever it counts for. Uh, but apparently there's not enough of us to vote for all this stuff to, to make a change. Well, maybe that needs to change. You know, the the Constitution is supposed to be about for the people, by the people, and of the people. But here in the last few years, it's been all anything but that. Uh, Our Congress has been dysfunctional. Right now, they're, you know, it's all revenge-driven here in the latest latest news of of this morning. Um, The the GOP House members are basically taking all of the Democrats and saying, go home. You're not allowed to do anything here. We want your votes, but you don't, you're not allowed to do anything else. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, why why do you want to go on a, a revenge trip just because you got a couple more representatives in there on your favor? So you got about three or four GOP representatives more than the Democrats right now. And so you want to go on a revenge trip and take start taking them out. So that's just, that's just wrong. How is that helping the people of the United States? I mean, that's my biggest thing. How is that helping the people of the United States? I mean, as far as from what I can see, it's not helping anybody but themselves. And probably not even that. I mean, they, when they start, you know, cutting all these people out and telling them, go home, uh, we don't want you, then what? Okay? You know, the GOP, what? They're trying to own the, uh, the whole government? Well, I mean, our Constitution is not supposed to let them do that. So I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out. So here we go. The rest of the story, uh, you know, they talked about corporate farming, not disposing of cow, cow waste, manure in this case, like a family farm. So a family farm, they let the cows in the pasture. The, cat, the cows poop all over the ground out there. Mother Nature takes care of it, washes the stuff into the soil, fertilizes the grass, makes more hay for the cows, and it cycles. Okay, it's been that way for hundreds of years. Okay, well, corporate farming doesn't do that. Corporate farming takes all that waste from the dairy cows because the dairy cows probably never make it out the pasture. And they are basically, from what I read a few years ago, the cows are basically fertilized, um, you know, by scientists. And they keep, you know, delivering and then that way they keep producing milk, but they never leave the stalls. So, you know, and once the cows, you know, get to the point where they aren't giving up milk anymore, then they're probably disposed of, sent to the meat packers or something like that. 
I don't know what, but they probably that's probably what they end up doing with them. So all of that waste they're saying is going into um, what it says here is going into vats and making liquid waste out of it, and all that methane coming off of those tanks is going right up into the atmosphere. Well, all right, so definitely not helping anybody. The only ones making money are the corporate execs and the the board, you know, the board members. And the rest of the people are just workers. They're making their wages and doing whatever. And the cows, you know, they're just non-entities. All they are is just basically milk producers, period, and nothing else. So to me, that's animal abuse. And second, we're contributing a lot of methane that we don't need in the atmosphere. And we're already complaining about global warming. Well, here we are, just add more to it. Um, you know, and I'm thinking, well, all right, so now the USDA is saying they're working on support for the small to medium American farmers. Well, from what I can tell from this article, they aren't doing very much. I mean, these guys are all going bankrupt and selling out. So pretty soon, the only thing in America is going to be available to get your milk. And, you know, I don't drink milk. Uh, I'm, I'm one of those lactose intolerant people, but... Irregardless, I mean, milk is a big thing around the world. And here you go, corporate farming, period. It's all going to corporate farming. The days of the family farms are going to be pretty much gone probably in, in a few years. You know, maybe by 2050, maybe sooner. Uh, pretty soon, the only thing you're going to have in the United States is going to be corporate agriculture commodities, period. Animal abuse at the worst where you got pigs living in horrid conditions, ready, you know, ready for the slaughterhouse, and you're going to have uh, cows, like in this situation, corporate milkers, where they never leave the milking stalls, and as soon as they fall out, they're given to the meat packers, and they put more milkers in place. Just big machines. That's all they are. Big organic machines. They keep fertile, you know, in, in what do you call it? Uh, artificial inseminating them, making them do milk, and the end of discussion. I mean, to me, that's disgusting. Uh, you know, I I wouldn't care to drink milk like that way. I know I prefer the natural way. I mean, I was a kid growing up. I I had milk. I know I wasn't until I went to Afghanistan for a year and came back. I was allergic to milk after that. But before that, man, I'd drink two or three gallons a, a week. Um, and then as a kid growing up, I grew up on straight out of the cow. No pasteurization, no none of that stuff. We took it from, from the barn, stuck it in a big pickle jar, stuck it in the refrigerator, had the cream on top and the milk on the bottom. And, you know, it was great. But, you know, you're not allowed to do that anymore. Oh, my goodness. Oh, you got to have pasteurized. It's got to be sterilized. It's got to be, got to be, got to be, got to be. And I'm like, ah. You know, I bet you family farms, they don't do all that stuff. I bet you they're still... They're still putting milk in a refrigerator in a pickle jar. Uh, I don't know. I'd like to find out. But here's the big thing. The other part of this is, you know, we talked about global warming with all these dairy, you know, these corporate dairy farms. Here's some more stuff. We all know all about the Colorado River out in the western part of the United States. Everybody in the world's probably heard about it by now. You know, some more than others. But it's a really big deal. Because you've got like about seven states out there right now that are seriously dependent on this whole river thing. And it's drying up. Well, it's been drying up for a while. Well, it's at the point now where it's almost non-existent. So they're having problems with water. 
they got promised by the government to have X amount of water and they're not getting it. So now they're all complaining. Well, the big thing is they've been fighting about it for a couple of years now. I say fighting as in in courts and stuff like that over water rights. California, apparently being the senior member of this group, is entitled to the largest share and they're not sharing. So the other six states are all trying to figure out, well, what are we going to do about California? Well, good question. What are you going to do about California? Because the feds are saying, well, we're giving you deadlines. Do you guys figure this out on your own? Well, they're not coming up with these deadlines. They're going past them. They're blowing right by them. Nobody wants to agree on what to do out there. Well, all comes to the bottom line. Everybody's selfish. They all want their share of the water. Well, the problem is there's not enough water to share with everybody. But they don't care. They still want their share. So I figure it out. Hmm? How's that going to work out? You got far 40 million people out there who need water. So let's take an example. Arizona, for example. You know, anybody who knows anything about the United States knows that Arizona and Southern California are two of the probably driest areas in the United States right now. So California being the way they are and getting their senior share going, uh, it's kind of like, all right, it's all our water. We're not giving you any. We're not sharing with anybody. We're entitled to get X amount. We're seniors. We're going to take it. End of discussion. So Arizona out there is saying, well, we don't have any more water. It's dried up. You need to give us some more. Well, there's nothing to give and nobody's sharing. So the stupid people out in Arizona are letting them build more subdivisions. So they're building more houses, knowing they don't have enough water to take care of them, and less water going forward, but they're still building like crazy out there because people want to move to Arizona. I'm thinking, how stupid can you be, all right? You know there's no water out there. Why would you want to live there? Why would you want to live in Arizona knowing that the water is running out and pretty soon it's going to be all gone? I mean... I'm seriously, what are you people thinking? I don't know. I I can't figure it out. You know, they decided here in, in these seven states to make some kind of agreement, but it's only good for three years. Well, after 2026, they're going to have even less water to fight over. And it's going to be a, a perpetual cycle here. And pretty soon, the water's going to be all gone. I mean, it's a given. The water is going to be gone, people. Gone, gone, as in nada, all right? So then what? Huh? You going to keep building more houses and no water to put in them? Yeah, that's going to go over like a high rock. So now you're going to be like California was back in the late 70s. A lot of empty subdivisions with nobody buying houses out there. And all these developers are going to be all footing the bill for these buildings they put up because nobody wants to buy them. Then what? Okay? You know, you're going to let this stuff all go crack and run and developers are going to go broke, just like they did back then. They all went belly up, left houses sitting on, 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 on lots out there with nobody in them. And then they all of a sudden, nothing. You know, it's like, really? You know? And then you're going to want to get a bailout from the federal government. Oh, woe is me. I did this and there's no water. What am I going to do? Uh, well, <laughs> you should have thought of that before you built the houses, stupid. I'm sorry. I got no sympathy for these people. They all want their money today. They don't care about what happens tomorrow. You know, all they care about is, well, we got water today. So let's build a bunch of houses out here in this empty area, turn it into a subdivision, get an HOA to manage it, and then we'll rake in the money for as long as we can rake it in. 
And then when the water goes away, well, we'll be long gone because we'll have made our money and we'll sell it to somebody else. Well, you know, the homeowners bought the house. It's up to them to figure out how they're going to get water in it. Yeah, right. Well, there's your government for you. You'd think the government would be smart enough to say, hey, developers, we know there's no water here. We're not going to let you build any more houses. But no, chances are they probably got their hands in the till too. And they're saying, well, hey, you want to develop, develop houses out here? We want our share. You're going to give us a cut off the top. You know, I'm, I don't know. I've said this before, that there's nothing that is not for sale here in the United States. I mean, absolutely nothing. If, you, if some guy could get on the Internet and pick up a handful of sand out of the Arizona desert and hold it up to an influencer on TikTok or Instagram or what have you, and he could probably convince a bunch of people that sand is worth a pile of gold. And then people would buy it. Idiots. You know. So it doesn't really matter. Here in the United States, nothing is not for sale. Everything is for sale. I mean, it doesn't matter. Handful of sand on the Arizona desert or something. Who knows what? The government, yeah, oh, our U.S. government, it is big time for sale. You know, our Supreme Court justices, six out of six out of the nine of them are definitely for sale. Maybe all nine of them, for all that matter. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, definitely a good handful of them. And in Congress, we all know they're all for sale. They've been They've been for sale for decades. And, you know... They've been selling themselves all over the place just to get reelected. Uh, I still am a firm believer that we ought to give them term limits. That would knock off a lot of that nonsense. Get these guys in there, maybe two, maybe three terms, minimum, you know, a maximum. And at the end of three, you're done. Go home, no pension, you're done. Go find a job, uh, you know, and then get the get to get a new crew in there. I mean, we have a new president every eight years. Why can't Congress do the same thing? You know, new congressmen get a new get a new slate of legislators in there every six to eight years or what have you. Um, maybe twelve for them guys. So make it make a maximum twelve years. You know, six six years get reelected. You do another six, but then you're done. You know, I'm thinking that would be a good thing. And then we probably would not have what we got going on right now. Okay, all this revenge stuff that McCarthy and his cronies are doing here. Um, you know, firing Democrats out of these committees and putting their you know, their lackeys in there and all that kind of stupid stuff. Come on now. Um, you know, so then part of that, too, is that we also go over to the division in the United States. So not, our, not only do we have problems with the money, everybody here is all about selling something from something. And they don't care. They don't care how they're making money as long as they make their money. So here we go with this abortion thing. So last year we all know that the United States banned, um, you know, they banned, well, they they reversed Roe versus Wade. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't ban it so much as they just reversed it. So that means the federal government no longer subsidizes abortions and leaving it up to the states. Well, we all know what happened. whole bunch of red states went in there and banned abortions and all kinds of crazy stuff. The rest of them are all trying to figure out what to do, trying to support as best they can, and so on and so forth. Well, the big thing about it here 
is CBC Canada reports that several anti-abortion groups are planning demonstrations outside retail, retail pharmacies in abortion legal states to protest the sale of abortion pills after February 1st. So basically, they're saying, well, if we can't convince the federal government to ban abortion nationwide, then we're going to do everything we can to make it hard for people to get abortions in abortion legal states. So here's another one of their tactics. They're going to do protests outside of all these pharmacies. They're going to be doing retail sales of these abortion pills. So it's legal to get an abortion in certain states. And the easiest way to get an abortion, especially in really early, you know, the real early stages, is to take one of these pills and flush it out of you. Well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's, just, that's the easiest way. You're not, oh, you're the one, you spend a little bit of money on yours to buy the pills. You're not going to a hospital. You're not going to a clinic. The clinics don't have to rely on on this and that and whatever. And federal government and state funds and who knows what. But, you know, the big thing is, for average people, this works out great. But, I, you know, I've, I'll tell you straight up, I've always been pro-choice, okay? Why should the government be telling somebody what to do with their body? Period. I don't care if you're man, woman, child, what have you. The government should not be telling you what to do with your body. You want to sell your body parts? There should not be a government regulation against it. You want to have an abortion? You should be able to make that choice for yourself. It's your choice, not the government's. Okay, not some church, not some whatever, anybody. Individual rights should be the the law of the land. So, you know, am I sticking my neck out there? Well, you know, not not any more than a lot of other people. But I just I'm just putting that right out there. I'm pro-choice. But like I said, CBC is reporting. Now, this is Canadian news, mind you. This is Canadian news. I never saw anything about this at all in any of the American news stations. It wasn't anywhere. Um, so here's the thing. They want to protest CVS, Walgreens, and maybe local, you know, local chain pharmacies, what have you. Anybody that is selling abortion pills. They want to protest and say, no, we don't want you to have an abortion. You should not buy the pills, so on and so forth. It's like, that's crazy. All right. So think about it. We have eight eight billion plus eight billion plus people on this planet. Okay? There's not enough food to feed them all. All right. Now, some countries have enough food for now. Well, some of them don't. Now in the warmer areas around the equator, like you know, uh Sudan and Africa and some places in Central America and North South America, North side of South America, where the the climate change has really been dramatic, yeah, they don't have enough food to feed the people. Okay, the people are leaving; they're going other places, any way they can, anywhere. You know, and that's one of the reasons why Europe is having such a problem right now, because all these people are leaving for you know to get food. But that's a whole other story. Big thing about it: you have eight billion plus people in the world. You know, wherever they are, they're all looking for food, and they want it, and they don't care how they get it. So here's the thing. Why should we encourage people to make more babies? What if these people can't afford to take care of them? Who's going to take care of them? You know, here in the United States, there are so many children in adoption agencies and centers and various other 
private organizations that are not being adopted right now. And they're all taking government money to take care of these children. And it's like, okay, so you want to make more of these unwanted children? I mean, seriously, what are you people thinking? Why? Just because your Bible says that you should not have an abortion? Okay, I'm thinking there's something wrong with your book here, folks. Uh, you know, when the book was written 2,000 years ago, we didn't have 8 billion people on the planet. Okay, I'm sorry, we didn't. And because we didn't have that many, it was no-brainer. Write that in your book, have people make babies, and, you know, abortion wasn't a thing back there anyway. We didn't have doctors like that for 2,000 years ago. So, you know, if you, an abortion was a natural thing. A woman didn't carry the baby to term for some kind of medical reason, and she had a miscarriage, so be it, okay? That's the way life was. There probably were a lot of miscarriages 2,000 years ago, even 1,000 years ago, all right? But now, modern medicine is not, a, you know, yes, there are miscarriages, but not near as much as there were 1,000, 2,000 years ago. So here we are, these people are using a 2,000-year-old book to dictate how the rest of us need to live our lives. I'm thinking that that's really, really wrong. That's seriously wrong, okay? Leave us alone. For those of us who don't believe in your religion, maybe we're not Muslims either, okay? Well, we don't believe in any of this stuff for whatever reason, okay? And we don't want to partake of your religious beliefs. So I'm thinking, because I don't want to believe what you believe, you need to leave me alone. Leave, just let me do what I do. You know, and now, granted, I'm not a woman, so I can't have that issue with abortion, as far as it goes. But I can support people who want to have autonomy, you know, they want to have the choice to do what they want to do. Okay? Again, no government interference. Let a woman decide what's good for her, period. And get her the medical attention that she needs when it's her choice to do whatever she wants to do. Okay? End of discussion. All right? But protesting outside of CVS just because you don't want somebody else to have an abortion pill? Come on. That's seriously wrong. So, here we go with more stuff. Now we go into the military side. Okay? How about this article on NBC News? That all of the weapons... Now, this is a different change of topic, completely different from the United States... It does affect us, though, okay? This is something from outside the country. So when we left Afghanistan, just like we left Iraq, we left a buttload of military gear behind. Now, granted, we destroyed a lot of it. We incapacitated a lot of it, okay? But here's what I learned in my trip to Afghanistan back in 2002. Afghan people are notoriously handy with fixing things. Okay, you give them something mechanical and they'll figure out a way to make it work. Okay, they are really, really good at it. Okay, they come from a long line of tinkerers. I saw that firsthand. And so here we are, Afghanistan, we left out of there and left a buttload of stuff behind. Sir, we destroyed a bunch of it. We incapacitated a bunch of it. But guess what? They have a good way of figuring out how to make it work. Or they'll strip it for parts and sell the parts and or make the parts work in something else. So this story talks about the small arms that we left behind, plus the stashes of bullets that we left behind to go with it. Now, supposedly we destroyed all that stuff. Well, guess what? We didn't. 
So now they're selling M4s and M16A2s on the open market to countries like Pakistan. Well, Pakistan is really getting things hot over there because they have a bunch of militants in the Kashmir region who don't want to be part of Pakistan. They want their own little country, kind of like, Bangla kind of like Bangladesh in the day. Well, they have been fighting Pakistan, uh, but now they're starting to get a trickle of these modern weapons. Well, there's not enough of them to really make a big difference, but it just gives you an idea that more could be coming. What if the Taliban scored a whole bunch of stuff from the Americans and could sell a whole bunch of them? Well, that would might be a game changer. Now, when they're not there yet, but it could be. So here's the thing. Us leaving our supply dumps behind and not destroying them like we should have, I mean, completely obliterating them, leaving this stuff behind for the people uh, to just do what they're doing. I mean, the Taliban, they're terrorists, okay? They don't care. They don't care how they make their money as long as they're making money. And what do they do with that money? Well, you know, they do more to subjugate their people with it. Uh, but that's that's a whole other deal as well. The big thing about it is when you're selling night vision goggles, M4s, M16s, and all kinds of other small arm stuff, to other people so they can do their own terrorist activities and it starts spreading now you're contributing to more wars around the world and okay come on now so the big thing about it is the pentagon the pentagon is saying no we largely retrograded or destroyed all our left arm materials well you know i wrote here liar liar pants on fire because that's exactly what it is Okay, I served over 20 plus years in the military. I saw how we left countries. You know, trust me, we didn't destroy a whole bunch of stuff. We buried it, okay? And, you know, some stuff we destroyed, but not all of it, trust me. It didn't all, and it got left behind. Especially when, they, when we had to bug out in a hurry, okay? If they bug out in a hurry, a whole bunch of stuff gets left behind, and that's the end of it. So, you know. The big thing is they're going to all this stuff is going to end up in militant groups around the area and maybe even farther out. You never know. But either way, it's going to end up with people that shouldn't have it. You know, much like guns here in the United States. There's a whole lot of people here in the United States that got guns that shouldn't have them. But it happens anyway. Well, there you go. So what are we going to go in there and start policing that part of the world now? Because we're going to have to start cleaning up our leftovers. You know, we shouldn't have left them in the first place. Well, so it is what it is. It's too late now. It's one of those deals. Can't you know? Kind of hard to bring all the courses back when you let them out. You can close the gate behind them. Well, so it's going to be interesting to watch how that works out and how much of that's going to be in the, in the American news. And then last of all, I have this one here about in, it's an internal news item. Um, this is from this is from the West Coast. This talks about a judge orders Washington State private special education school to turn over records by Lulu Ramadan from the Seattle Times. And she's collaborating with ProPublica. Now, ProPublica, I read a lot of their stuff because they are really big about corruption. If there's any kind of corruption going on, they're there to root it out any way they can. And they have published a lot of good articles and a lot of times collaboration with local news um, depending on you know where the local 
news article is about, but they collaborate and or write for themselves a lot of abuses, government abuses, local, state, and federal, uh, and they try to get it out there to people because, believe it or not, the government would quash this stuff as much as they possibly could. So this talks about here, is they, the ProPublic has been after private education institutions of all kinds of abuses of late. This is a story about a private school for troubled kids in, in Colorado and a how a 17-year-old girl died over a medical issue that was ignored. And I read this story. And it's also a story about special needs kids' tuition being paid by the state of Washington, and then the kids are being abused and tortured by staff members. So this, this story in Colorado, I read this story, like I said. And the big thing about this, this is a 17-year-old girl was sent down to this private school they paid like $12,000 a month to send this young teenager to this school because she was getting in trouble in school and the school counselor in her town recommended that she go to a private, kind of like a boot camp, kind of not quite hard boot camp, but a place to get her straightened out. Well, they abused her along with a lot of other kids. So she started having serious stomach problems, complained about it, got sick, they ignored her, told her she was faking it, since, you know, kids always say that just to get attention, yada, yada, yada. Well, she died back in December from her medical affliction that nobody bothered to send her to the doctor to get diagnosed. So now everybody's all up in arms. Oh, my God, child died. Well, now the parents are suing, suing and rightly so. Uh, and I'm thinking to myself, well, how is it that these people are taking in all this money maybe some of it government money, to run these schools with no oversight. Okay? Well, like this one here in Washington State where they had the special needs tuition, all this tuition is being paid by the state of Washington. And they decided that, well, when we're abusing these kids, we're not going to tell anybody about it. We don't want anybody to know about it. You ask for our records, we're not going to give them to you. Well, this judge is saying, oh, wrong answer. If the state's giving you money, you have to turn over all your records. We need to know what you're doing down there, especially since we got a news story saying that you abused a bunch of kids. Okay? Oh, so, you know, the big thing I'm looking at here is that child abuse has been going on since North America got invaded by the Brits and the French and everybody else back in, you know, several hundred years ago, back in the 1500, late 1500s, early 1600s. And when they started bringing their families over and setting up their stuff, the Puritans showed up in Plymouth and abused their kids and tried to abuse everybody else around them. I mean, the Puritans came here to the United States with the idea that they were going to colonize North America and everybody was going to be following their religion. That was their deal, okay? And the same group came to, um, you know, Jamestown, Virginia, and tried to do the same thing there. Um, but, it, you know, that didn't work out so great. Um, they eventually got told, stuff it. Um, you know, we're not letting you do all that. But it doesn't mean anything because the Brits came in and their religious groups, and it wasn't all Calvinists. Others, the Catholics, were the worst, especially in Canada. The Catholics came in and basically told the the indigenous peoples in North America, both the United States and Canada, we're taking your kids away from you. 
They have to become white. We're taking you away from your tribal, your families and your tribes and everything else and everything you've ever known. We're going to turn them into civilized human beings. And they proceeded to torture and abuse and kill these children all in the name of making them good citizens of North America. Well, Canada right now is in big trouble over all that stuff because it got out here a few years ago about all of these church groups back in the day uh, killing and abusing these Indian kids and not telling anybody about it. Um, And, of course, word got out. And now the Canadians are in a a thing with the the tribes up there about reparations and how they're going to make it happen. Uh, I mean, you can't bring the kids back, but they're digging up these graveyards and all these old schools that have been abandoned for you know, decades, uh, and learning about all these abuses and stuff. And the tribes are saying, ha, hey, you know what? You know, we have the legal right to sue you, the government, for all the stuff you did to us. Well, here in North America, they tried that too. And had some marginal success with that, um, trying suing churches and stuff. Suing the government, yeah, that didn't work out so great. Um, And, you know, obviously the churches aren't doing that near as much anymore. But believe it or not, a hundred years ago, it was a thing here in the United States, ripping children away from their families and their tribes and taking them to these church-sponsored schools and abusing and torching them and everything else. If you want a good example of that, there's a show on CBS Paramount right now called 18, 1923. Excuse me. It's called 1923. And it's got Harrison Ford and... Um, an English actress. Um, she's got an Irish accent in the show. Um, I'm watching it. It is a good example of what these Catholic institutions were doing to these Indian kids. I mean, you can see it right on the f- screen if you want to know what they were doing. Okay? Seriously. Um, you know, that's that's fine. But just just kind of like, how did we get away with all that stuff? Well, I mean, obviously, there was no government oversight. That's how they got away with it. You know, they can't do it now, although they're trying. With these articles here, like coming out of Washington State and Colorado, they're still trying, um, but the government is kind of not letting them get away with it anymore. Okay? Um, Here's the other part of this, is Florida is outlawing pretty much, they're trying to pretty much outlaw any talks of the American slave, you know, the, the American slavery that we had going from like 1600 up, up until they abolished it. And, and well, they abolished it in 1820, but they allowed them to have slaves until 1865. So it's kind of a running deal. We couldn't bring slaves into the country anymore after 1820, but the slaves that we had were allowed to continue until 1865. And then they said, all right, let them all go. Well, they let them all go. And then what? You know, did they do anything for them? Not really. Um, but the big thing about it is that, um, you know, CRT is a big thing here in this country. Critical race theory. I wrote a couple of articles on it last year and published them in Medium and here in Substack too. I mean, they're paywalled now because I wrote them last year. But the big thing about it is that Florida wants to basically eliminate the fact that the United States had slaves for decades, 
okay, for decades and decades. And they don't want to talk about it. They don't want any kind of thing going on. They don't want to mention it. I'm like, really? How could you ignore something like that? Seriously, how could you ignore the fact that we had slaves for about 150 years, more than more than 150 years in this country, okay? Um, you know, and right now, that's a whole other animal. That was what they called sanctioned slavery. Here in the United States, we have unsanctioned slavery. I mean, we have modern-day slavery going on right today, everywhere in the United States, in one form or another. I just published an article about that in Medium, um, talking about that. Um, but, it, you know, again, that's, that's a whole other thing. But the fact that not only Florida, but a lot of other states would just as soon ignore all of this stuff that happened in the past. Oh, that was in the past. It doesn't count anything anymore. I'm sorry. You abused all these people and did everything possible to treat them like, you know, commodity here, which in fact they were. Um, and in some ways right now with human trafficking, it's still, they're considered commodities. People are being considered commodities with human trafficking. So what's the difference? Okay, so if you ignore it, then what? You're going to ignore human trafficking? I'm sorry. I mean, that's kind of a, that's against the law. But are you a state? Uh, you you know, the state governor? Are you just going to say, well, you know, we're going to ignore human trafficking. We're not going to talk about it. It doesn't exist. It's, we're, not going to, we're not going to say anything about it. Yada, yada, yada. I'm thinking, okay, you got something happening right underneath your nose. It's against the law. You're supposed to be rounding people up who get caught doing this, but you don't want to talk about it? Ah, come on now. I mean, I don't know. Are they aiming to go back to slavery? You know, I don't know that's I'm, kind of makes you wonder right now. I don't know. But, I mean, that's all the news pretty much that I had saved out this week. And the other part of this is that if you have an opportunity to, um, you know, look at the stories that I write and other people write um, on medium.com and substack.com, again, where this podcast is going to go, and you have a chance to read about some of this stuff, um, you know, go ahead. I, when I publish a new story, I don't make people pay for it. Okay, now I'll give you an option too if you want to contribute to my coffee and retirement fund. Yeah, I'm all about that. I'm not going to turn you away, uh, but I'm not going to make you. I'm not going to say, well, you can't read my story unless you give me some money. I mean, that's not fair. Okay, I write because I want to write. I want I want to do these podcasts with these news stories and things just to kind of get it off my chest, let people know what's going on in the world the, of things that you might not or normally see unless you want to do a deep dive into your news feeds, which is what I do in the morning. I subscribe to what I consider known news channels from around the world. Irish Times, CBC News, Al Jazeera, um, some stuff from Eastern Europe. Whatever I can find to come up with really good news stories. And, you know, now that I'm starting this podcast, I'm going to start taking and saving stories and putting notes on them and I will pass them on to you about once a week. Um, and you have the opportunity to go in there and find out more for yourself. Because I will give you the titles here. Okay? 
So like this one here from CVC. It was entitled, Scenes Outside Pharmacies Could Foreshadow Next Phase in U.S. Abortion Battle by CBC News in Canada. Now, I don't have the reporter because in Canada, they don't put the reporter's name on their news articles. It's just CBC News. Okay. Now, here in the United States, if I will put the reporter's names on the articles. Um, same thing with the Irish Times. If I give you a quote out of the Irish Times then I may or may not give you whoever wrote the story. Because, you know, it's overseas. It's not American news, all right? Al Jazeera depends on a reporter. A lot of times I don't know about the reporters over there either. But believe it or not, Reuters does international news. I might give you something out of Reuters, and they may or may not have something. So like I said, don't get real dependent on knowing who the the authors are, okay? Um, because, I, like I said, I cherry-pick overseas news as much as I do the Americans. But here's, like I said, I, I took this broad gamut of news stories for you because it's, it's, it's important to know what's going on around the world. If you want to keep your head in the sand and live here in the United States and don't pay attention to anything outside your own neighborhood, well, good luck with that. Because whatever happens outside of your neighborhood, outside your little town or village, or whatever, wherever you live, it does affect you, maybe not right away, but eventually, okay? Especially something really bad. If you live out west right now, in those seven states, Arizona, um, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, Nevada, California, um, any of those states out that way, right now, that are dependent on the Colorado River, Anything going on out there with water is going to affect you if you live anywhere near the area. Because this, you know, if you if you should ever go to, and there's actually a movie, it's called um, the Inc An Inconvenient Truth. It was published and produced by Al Gore. I don't know, some of you folks may not be old enough to remember who he was. Uh, but he was a noted climate activist way back when he was vice president. And then he made a run for president, you know, he almost got elected, except for a technical difficulty in Florida back then. He could have been president, and I think he would have made a good one. Uh, he was a, he's still a very strong climate activist, um, still running around doing stuff like that. But as I said, Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth, it basically details what is going to eventually happen by the end of this century. And you know, I'll kind of give you a summary. The southwest part of the United States by the end of the century, if things keep going the way they are, is going to be nothing but a desert. It's going to be a, a mini version of the Sahara. Okay? Just for you folks who understand that, it's going to be a mini version of the Sahara Desert. We're talking sand dunes, no water, maybe a couple of little oases here and there that you can run your camels to. And believe it or not, camels will be a thing by then. Um... There may still be some floating around out there. You know, I've read stories about that in the past where these guys brought camels over from the Middle East, let them go out there in the Southwest. Um, there are rumors that there's still camels running around out there in the mountains. You know, it could be a thing. Um, they could bring more over. Irregardless, you know, in about maybe 75 years from now, the Southwest is going to be nothing but a dry desert, okay? So that's a thing. It's going to happen. 
and I say the Southwest, you're talking New Mexico, Arizona, Calif the southern half of California. You're going to talk about Utah, Nevada, uh, probably the ha bottom half of Colorado. That All of that area is going to be nothing but sand and rocky mountains. No green and growing things, except, like I said, the gr occasional little water oasis that's bubbling out of a, an aquifer down there, if there's any water left in any of those. Okay, that's a that's a whole other thing, too. I mean, the people are sucking water with pumps out of them underground aquifers like it's going out of style. So when, none, you know, I read an article here about a month ago here in Arizona, this Saudi Arabian company was sucking water out so fast this little town that there was next to this big corporate farm was actually sinking into the ground because the aquifer was going dry. So can you imagine living in your house and all of a sudden noticing that your house is sinking into the ground? Say, like, come on. And they couldn't do anything about it because the law lets them get away with it. Okay? They're, they're not... All this water was being used to grow, to grow alfalfa, which is a crop that requires a lot of water. And all that alfalfa is going over to Saudi Arabia. Not one stick of alfalfa was being given to anybody here in the United States. Every bit of it was being exported over to Saudi Arabia for their cows. Now, why does Saudi Arabia need cows? Well, they don't. But it's a status symbol over there for all them rich sheiks having cows. I happen to know that for a fact because I was in Dubai in 1992 and several times, and it was a big thing over there for them rich sheiks to have this dairy company from Dublin, Ireland over there called Kerry Gold having a big farm area out there where they were pumping water like crazy, making hay for cows so that they could have their dairy products. Now, before all of that, did they have dairy crud? No. It was a status symbol for them. They could afford to do it, so let's do it. So guess what? They're importing hay to Saudi Arabia so that the Saudi sheiks can have alfalfa and cows because it's a status symbol. I'm thinking that's just ignorant. You know, more ignorant stuff from around the world. Okay? I'm sorry. I, I have little patience or tolerance for stupid stuff. And I don't have a lot of tolerance for, you know, people who do stuff just because they got the money to do stuff. You know, I mean, it's one thing if you use your money for the good of mankind and that's the right thing to do. But to do something that goes against the environment that you're living in just because you got enough money to afford to do so. I mean, I mean that that's just wrong. It is really wrong. But hey, you know what? It's their money. And as long as the Americans keep letting them get away with it, then they're going to have to suffer the consequences. And that's the problem with America. As I keep saying, America is for sale. Everything is for sale. So the local village, little town down there, you know, they got that water sold out from underneath them. And the government's letting them get away with it. So, hey, you know what? You reap what you sow. Okay, I'm sorry. You let them get away with it, you're going to pay for it. And probably shortly. Once the aquifer runs out, the Saudis, they're just going to pick up and go somewhere else. They don't care. And what's that, what's going to, that little town going to do? Well, they're going to disappear. You know, you, you picture all these Western movies and stuff, 
um, from the old days. And we have postcards and pictures and all kinds of history book stuff on all these old ghost towns from the gold rush days. Well, guess what? All these little towns in today's world are going to look like those old ghost town stories. Because when the water runs out, the people obviously aren't going to stay there. And they're going to abandon ship. And they're going to move out and go somewhere where there's water. Okay? Water means food. Right? Uh, without water, you can't have food. So obviously they're going to go after it. So they're just going to abandon these towns. And like I said earlier in the cast here, you know, we're talking about... Um, subdivisions that are being built and no buyers. So they're going to get left empty. We're going to have whole little rural towns down in, in places like Southern California and especially Arizona where they're going to abandon these towns. They're going to leave them. There's no water. If no water, they're just going to leave. And on all the buildings are just going to desiccate and dry up. And then there you go. Modern day ghost towns. Okay. Modern day ghost towns. It's coming. Okay. I'm telling you, it's coming. And nobody's really thinking about it too much. You know, it's kind of one of those deals where out of sight, out of mind for most of America. Well, guess what? When all these refugees from the southwest part of the United States start hitting your town somewhere looking for food and water, and you're going to end up looking like, you know, England is right now with all their refugee problems. Well, you know, all the Midwest is going to have all these refugees from the southwest, and they're going to be banging on doors looking for food and water. What are you going to do? Huh? You're going to turn them away? Well, you know what? If you don't have enough food and water to take care of all those refugees, you probably will. And then it becomes a bigger problem. Okay. Well, think about it. Okay. It's coming. I'm telling you, it's coming. So listen, that's all I got for the day. All right. Um, I'm going to post this and um, try to rake up some stuff for next week. But uh, if you got an opportunity to... Um, contribute to my coffee and retirement fund that'd be great i would definitely appreciate it uh, but you don't have to uh, if you just want to subscribe and do it for free which most folks do that's okay too you know i'm all about just having an audience and i don't mind um, and if you get a chance um i've got a website um and i will i will post that underneath this podcast um you can do it there. I mean, mostly that, well, the most thing about that website, it's a, it's a blog page. I talk about the articles that I write. Um, you can access them through the website, um, and whether it's Substack or Medium. Um, but, you know, the more people that uh, click on my website, the better, better it looks for me. And if you're interested in any kind of a military story, I actually wrote a 70-page military short story Put it on Amazon. It's called The Milk Run. Um, you can, it's paywalled on Substack. Um, there's a not-so-great edited version on Medium. Um, but Amazon, though, it's, you know, very well edited. Um, seven chapters. Uh, it's about a little story, uh, you know, back Desert Storm uh, kind of time frame. Uh, you know, it's a nice little story. But anyway, if you feel froggy, it's, uh, it's both... Um, on the e-version and you can uh, spend 10 bucks and get the paperback version. Um, but I appreciate though, if, you, if you're interested in military stories like Tom Clancy kind of stuff, um, that might be interesting for you. Uh, with that said, I'm going to let you go. I appreciate you listening in. Uh, and if you have any questions or anything, you can feel free to leave me a message. 
Um, you know, other than that, uh, I'll say goodbye. And all everybody have a really good day.